Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. So I got a question to ask before we get rolling today. How many people grew up in church? Like you grew up in church. So a lot of people, let me go the other way. How many people did not grow up in church? All right, so raise your hands real high. Be proud of that. So that's me. And so it's interesting because um, I didn't know that song in probably till, David, how long you've been working? It's David Bryan as our counseling and care pastor. You've been with us for 10 years. And so I think it was about the, probably right around that time that we did our first um, funeral service together. And David shared the story that he shared with you guys. That's why it was just natural for him to share it. Um, but it was one of those deals where I didn't, I didn't know the song. I didn't grow up in a church. And so I was 17 or 18 when I finally made a profession of faith and asked Christ to be my savior. And from there, we went to kind of a charismatic church and they didn't do him. So it wasn't until honestly, um, starting a journey even, um, that I started hearing some of these, these like staples of our faith and everybody's got their favorite versions. And I know it's kind of funny because we joke around about like, we're going to sing the first, third, and fifth stanza. And the poor second and fourth, they get like scummed every time we do a, a hymn. But actually, the second one did get scummed in this one. <laughs> and so it's, it's actually my favorite one. There's all different renditions. But this is what it says. It says, though Satan should buff it. And I, this line right here, though trials should come. And knowing what Horatio went through, trials did come. And it just says this. It says, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And it's interesting because it takes quite a man to write those words, doesn't it? And I'm not so sure, knowing how I handle struggles and trials and tribulations, if I went through the same exact thing or anything really close to it, would I be penning a song that said, it is well? As a matter of fact, knowing me, I would probably walk the other direction. And it was an epiphany I had. It was about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer than a year ago. Um, the staff um, took up a little offering and, and bought myself and my wife tickets to go see the Atlanta Braves. Now, if you know anything about me, I love sports. I love UGA. I love UGA football. <laughs> Just saying whether we have it or not, I'm going to sport the Sox this year. Um, and I love the Braves baseball teams. And I, I just love watching the Braves play. And I, it's been like that since I was a kid. The funny thing is I lived in New Jersey up until 1988. I was a Braves fan and a UGA fan when I was in high school. So like when I was growing up, a little kid in New Jersey, I was the only one. Big G, you know, big Braves. And so, I don't know, you call me crazy. Either that or God knew I was going to come down here. Maybe that was what it was. But it, it was interesting because it happened last year, um, Gina, and myself went to the Braves game. And anybody been to the new stadium? Um, I think they're called the Battery. No, but a few people. So it's really cool. The Battery, there's all kinds of great places to eat. And there's all kinds of food you can get. And it, like to understate everything is I was like a little kid, okay? So I was like, Gina, 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 can I get a, can I get a jersey? Can I get a jersey? Gina, Gina, can I get a jersey? And she was like, Bobby, shh, just stop. Like, you're embarrassing me. And then it was like, hey, Bobby, Gina, 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 can I, can, can I, get, a, can I get a hot dog? Because you got you to gotta have a hot dog, right? You go to, you go to a game, you got to have a hot dog. And then it was peanuts. And, and then I said, Gina, Gina, I saw the coolest, like, retro braid. I was going to wear it today, but they didn't want to mess up my hair. And so... And so there was this cool retro Braves hat, and I was going to put the Braves hat. I, so geez, geez, geez. the only thing I walked out of there with was with the Braves hat, and I still wear it to this day, and it's just amazing. But so something happened. Here's what the people, like, I'm getting, this is where it happened. It just, it, everything kind of went south. So our seats were about four or five rows up from the first Bates dugout. So that's where the Braves are. And Freddie's there, and Brian McCann's there. And I mean, all the, like, I'm like, I'm like, 
Like I man crush on these people. Like it's, it, don't judge me. So I was like, man, this is awesome. All of a sudden, I could hear it off in the distance. I hear this clap of thunder. Now, we live in the South, and I get it, right? But not at one o'clock in the middle of the day. Like, it happens at seven, right? And then all of a sudden, the sky started getting dark, and dark, and dark, and then the unspeakable happened. The bottom dropped out. Now, I would love to tell you that it was only like a 15-minute little delay, but this delay took a couple hours, hour and a half. They all brought the tarps out, and they had all the tarps, so it means they have to take the tarps back off, and then they got to get the field lined again. They have to... So I'm sitting there, and I am going absolutely bonkers. We stay the whole delay. We wait to the end. The Braves beat, I think we played the Marlins. The, ba- the Braves beat the Marlins. It was the most amazing. I go home. I can't wait to like, I got a Braves hat. I got a Braves hat. The Braves, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? Here's what I learned. And hear me on this. Because I think it's a life lesson on a lot of ways that we handle storms in our lives when problems come our way. There was a whole group of people that paid good money for these tickets, 40, 50, 60 dollars. They probably paid 40, 50, 60 dollars for the hot dog that they bought. <laughs> right? They, they, they probably had, they, more than likely, like us, we spent the night the night before there so we can get there early, so we can hang out down there. They had a little bit of money invested. As soon as the rain started and they put the tarps out, I watched these people leave the baseball field. They left the game. Like literally, they, they, missed, they missed everything. They missed all the home runs, they missed all the, you know, the pitches, they missed all, you know, Freddie Freeman, and they, they missed everything. And then there was this other segment of the population, and maybe it was about 20 or 30%. They stayed for a little while, but then maybe the rain got a little harder, and maybe the lightning clapped a little louder, and maybe, maybe they realized that they, or at least thought that it wasn't going to happen. So they started peeling out. Now, I want you to know, there were still thousands of people there, and we were one of the thousands of people that stayed through the rain delay all the way to the end. And it was amazing. Like, I was sitting there, do you know what you missed? Like you missed, you missed a great time. You missed great hot dogs. You missed great fun. You, you missed the Braves. And it dawned on me. That's how a lot of us go through life. A lot of us have struggles, trials, tribulations, cancers, financial problems, kids that go south. And a lot of people, you know what they do? As soon as trouble hits, they skip town. They're not even waiting to see if possibly God could do something in this situation. They, they don't wait to see and, or even allow God to move the big mountain. They don't, they don't demonstrate any, any type of faith at all. They just, they just leave. And there's a group of population, that maybe it's a little bit smaller, but there's, they, they wait a little while. And then, then, then the sun scorches a little bit more or the problem gets a little bigger and then all of a sudden they leave. Maybe, and I've said this before, maybe right on the verge of God producing a miracle, they walked out. Could you imagine that? You'd be at that moment, that threshold of God doing something supernatural and you jump too early. And then there's that maybe smaller population, but there's still some that know without a shadow of a doubt, no matter how big the struggle is, no matter how big the problem is, no matter how much that thing looks like it's dead, that God's still gonna do something and that thing's gonna come alive. They understand what Horatio was singing about in the midst of death and destruction and problems that it is still well with my soul. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and maybe you haven't heard it, but struggles are part of our lives, aren't they? Like struggles happen. They happen to all of us. 
Every one of us, at different times of our lives, you're going to find yourself in a situation of a storm, and you're going to have to make a decision what you're going to do. And if you don't hear anything else, hear this one thing. How we handle it is not about how big the storm is. It's about what your perspective on it is. It's about how you look at that thing, how you, how you view that. First Peter 1, that's where we're going to land today. We're going to land in First Peter 1, but he kind of sets the stage in the sixth verse of what we're going to talk about. And he says, in this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, and I'll explain what, what we're rejoicing about because there's great things to rejoice about. He said this though, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, I did a little study on those two words, various and trials. Various means this, of different colors or different origins. It's almost like uh, if you're wearing a diamond ring, like an engagement ring or a wedding band, if you look at it, the good one, not the bad ones, the good ones, they have all kinds of different facets. Like you can look at it differently. Like if you ever look at that little scope thing, like there's all these different prisms and spectrums in that. That's what he's talking about. You're going to have trials Various meaning, various means you're going to have trials of various kinds. They're going to come from all different directions. They're going to look different, but, but the origins of them are the same. The, the guts of those are the exact same. And then the word trial literally means this, adversity or problem. Now watch this. It's a test of faith, patience, or stamina through subjection to suffering or temptation. Now how many people want to sign up for that? Really? Well, we're going to find out today that we should sign up for it because something of great value comes from when we sit all the way through the rain delay and we get to the end part and there's something, there's a great reward, there's, a, there's something that God wants to do and actually it's a teaching and learning moment if we'll allow it to happen. Now, let me let you know, I'm going to lay the baseline. I promise you, you're going, Bobby, I don't want to hear this message today. We have too much stuff going on right now. I get it. Don't, please do this. Don't. My story with the Braves was inconvenience, not a tragedy. Don't somehow or another swap the two out because we have lost our minds in this country because everything that we think is a tragedy is really an inconvenience. We have first world problems here. Uh, let, me, let me prove this. Some of y'all have lost your mind out of a piece of, of, of material. You have lost your minds. So one of our staff members said this. I love this. It was so brilliant. It was one of the smartest things I've ever heard anybody say. Brian Shaw comes to me and says, listen, because I asked the staff out of respect for you and our community to start wearing masks around here, okay? On Sunday mornings. Like when I, before I walked in here, I had my mask on. When I walk out here, I'm gonna have my mask on, right? We want people to feel comfortable here. He said, Bobby, how many times you've been to Haiti? And I was, I've been to Haiti six, seven, eight times. And I have tattoos on my arms and on my, right here, right? And so in Haiti, when I'm sitting in the, uh, the compound, I can wear every, anything I want to wear. I can wear shorts. I can wear a tank top. It doesn't make a difference if you know, people see my tattoos. It just, I, 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 it doesn't make a difference. As soon as I leave the compound, I put on long pants and a long shirt because I want to respect, oh, I want to respect the people we're trying to minister to. I, we're losing our mind over a piece of linen. I'm not talking about inconvenience today. I'm talking about when real, real trials come our way. Real struggles come our way. Matthew 7, 24 says it like this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. 
And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because he had been founded on the rock. And then it says in verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not, uh, does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against this house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Now I ask you a question. What was the common denominator in all that? It was the storm. Both of them had a storm that came their way. It wasn't the amount of rain. It wasn't how they built their house. They both had a storm. And in our lives, you are going to have storms. In our lives, we have storms of various different kinds, various trials and tribulation. See, you want to write this down? This is, this is like, I'm telling you, it's going to get better in a minute. Like if you're like, oh man, I'm going I'm to leave right now. Just because you're a believer in Jesus Christ doesn't exempt you from trials and tribulation. It doesn't exempt you from a problem coming your way. As a matter of fact, I think it puts a target on the front of our shirt. And we better be ready for them. You know what that means? You may lose your job. I had a guy walk up to me after second service because I said that one thing. He goes, I literally walked in Thursday. Literally walked in Thursday. One of our staff members was telling about, telling about one, of his, um, one of his family members. Walked in one day, great job. Next day, you've been terminated because of this COVID stuff. They're not making any money. And you can think like, and the person between services, but I'm a believer. Yes, Jesus still died on the cross. Trouble will come our way. So like, you may lose your job. Now, let, let me just tell you, I'm just gonna, your car may break down. Anybody ever take Financial peace. Let me tell you the biggest lie about financial peace. You pay all your bills off and everything's going to be fine. Because you know what happens when you pay all your bills off? Something else comes up. <laughs> but at least I'm in a place where I can pay my bills off, right? How about, how about a little bit more serious? I hate to even say this, but just because you're a Christian doesn't mean your spouse is going to be faithful to you. Doesn't mean that person's not gonna walk out of your life. It doesn't mean that people in our faith community won't get cancer. It doesn't mean that nobody in this faith community here will ever not have a child with special needs. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean that you won't get the phone call one day that one of your parents has Parkinson's disease. Unfortunately, on this side of eternity, that's life. And it hurts, and I would even go as far as saying it sucks. But it's part of life. And it's all in how we handle it. I love the promises that come with a trial, though. James tells us in James chapter 1, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. That means you have blessings because of this thing. There's a reward to you. There's something that you get. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test of time, he will receive the crown of life. That means this side of attorney may be hell for a lot of us. We're going through all kinds of things, but the other side, God makes his great promises. First Peter 5.10 says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, I love this, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's a promise when things don't make sense. Do you ever go through a trial and you come out the other side and you go, I don't know how I made that. 
but you were standing firm and you were resilient and he strengthened your faith, well, maybe, maybe we'll learn today that's one of the reasons that we get some of those things is that God's actually building something in us that wouldn't normally get built up. So today I wanna to look at 1 Peter. You can just put your finger in 1 Peter chapter one. We're gonna stay between three and nine. I'm gonna read a couple of scriptures, but if you have an analog Bible, just stick your finger right there for a minute. And I'm gonna to talk to you today. We're gonna to have a conversation today about, uh, about this it is well. Because I think there's some reasons I can say. I can say it is well because I've realized, and maybe that's the big one, that we realize that our struggles are just temporary. Our trials are just temporary. They're not there, they're, they're not, per and even by definition, it only means the short time. First Peter chapter one, let's read verse three. And I want you to see what Peter says down in verse six. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, for he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have grieved, you've been grieved by various times, for a little while. Not the rest of your life, not through all eternity, for a little while. Our problems, our problems are only temporary. You can't tell me a problem that's not just temporary in the scope and the scheme of eternity. My dad used to say this. I used to want to hit him for it. Your dad said things like this too, right? Like, in light, like, don't fret the, the small things. Anybody ever hear that? Don't fret the small things. And then he'd go like this, and everything in light of eternity is a small thing. I'm like, shh, that's stupid. But it's really not. It really makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Like in the scope of everything, I mean, the Bible says about 70 years, right? About 70 years or so. It says life is but a vapor, right? It's about 70 years. When you think of eternity, I think it's a lot longer than 70 years. So I look at everything through the scope and the lens, my perspective of this little bit of time that I'm here on earth. You know something? That should be our attitude to everything in life. Everything. When we, when we look at houses, when we buy houses and jobs and careers, and all, that we're only gonna be here a little while. The Bible talks about it over and over again about setting your mind. We're gonna read in Colossians, set your mind on things above. But it also talks about what you're investing your life in. Are you investing in temporary things? Or eternal things. Things that will outlive you. St. John said it like this. I have only contempt for the world's threats. I find its blessings laughable. Think about that. What's the best that this world can offer? Doesn't hold a candle to heaven, does it? Doesn't hold a candle to what Christ is gonna do in us. Doesn't hold a candle to eternity. Trials are a matter of perspective. You know, you know what the problem is? We look at our problems as they're huge, big, mountainous, huge, huge, let me ask a question. Anybody know how? How wide is the sun? You don't know this, I'll tell you. 900,000 miles wide. Think about that. The sun is 900,000 miles wide. And it's amazing to me that I can take a quarter that's less than an inch and I can cover the sun up by how close I bring it to my eye. That's our problems. 
See, in the scope of the big scheme of things, the closer we get to the problem to the eyes, the more we focus on the problem, the less we get to see the sun. And in our lives, so many times we're looking at this. I do this with leadership stuff. I've done it with Columbia County. I've done it with our staff. I've done it with other church staffs. I take a big sheet of white paper and I take a black magic marker and I put the white sheet of paper and I put a little dot in the center of this piece of paper and I say, okay, tell me what you see. 99.9% of the people say they see a black dot. And I, it's, it's hysterical to me. In, in the scope of this big old piece of paper, you see the smallest thing on it instead of seeing the biggest thing, which is the white piece of paper. But see, that's how we handle our problems. That's how we handle when cancer comes our way. We only see cancer. We don't see the way God wants to work. When a divorce happens in our lives, we only see the divorce. We don't see this. When a financial ruin comes our way, we only see the financial ruin. We don't see God's blessings in all that. What would happen if we changed our perspective on things? I love the story of, of George Danzig. If you know who he is, he's the father of modern-day um, statistician. He's uh, statistics. And he walks into Berkeley. He graduated from Berkeley, but he, he walks into Berkeley. And when he walks in, he walks in late. And when he gets there, there's on this big chalkboard, there's two formulas um, that are on the chalkboard. So he starts to write them down, and it takes him several minutes to write them all down. And then by the time he wrote them down, the class was dismissed. So they dismissed the class, and he, he takes his things home, and he works on them. And he takes them. He said these were harder than any other problems that he ever, ever, ever had to work on. But about a week and a half or two weeks later, he comes into the class and he says, here's my assignment. And I'm sorry it's late, but I, I, I wanted to do my best, but I solved the problem. So he hands him to the teacher and the teacher looks at him and he goes, okay, thanks. And about a week later, all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and, and in this guy's house, it's the teacher walks in and he says, I got something to tell you. Those weren't homework that were on the board. They were two unsolvable statistic problems that have never been able, nobody's ever been able to solve them. And you solved both of them. You know why he solved both of them? He didn't know there wasn't a solution. And when we go through our lives thinking that there's no solution, when we need a check up from the neck up, when we go through life like that, we've got to sit down and look and go, hey, wait a second. Maybe this is not an unsolvable problem. Maybe this situation is right in God's control. Maybe somehow or another God wants to do something a little bit bigger than me. Maybe God's going to work outside my little box and perform a miracle. Luke chapter Chapter 1 verse 37 for, says this, for nothing is, nothing will be impossible. Nothing is outside God's grant. If we just ask him to get involved, Amen. what would happen if we just changed our perspective? Listen, I don't know what you're facing. I know what mine looks like. But I believe there's people in this room, there's people down at Sherwood, there's people watching online right now that you are convinced that the, 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 the situation is not correctable. You think that thing is so big, that habit is so big, that problem is so big that God can't work. And I'm here to tell you today that nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible for God. Somebody say amen to that, please. Think of the biggest problem you have right now. Just think about it. How big is that problem? That falls underneath the category of nothing. Whatever that looks like, however big it seems, however wide the expanse is, it falls into the nothing. Nothing is impossible. Let me give you another one. I think we can say it's well when we realize that trials don't have to make us miserable. Anybody just know people that are miserable all the time? Get them out of your life. 
Unless it's your spouse, then work on it. I just created a lot more work for you, David. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> I was telling a friend of mine this past week, there's two types of people. There's people that depreciate and, and, and deteriorate your relation, you know, just constantly chew away at the stuff of your life. And there's people that replenish you. And if you have too many people that deplete everything, you're gonna be miserable. It, it, it doesn't take a long time. And one of the things I've learned from my little hiatus, I'm, all I'm doing right now is liking or sharing things that Journey posts. So I'm not putting any opinion. It's, it's liberating. Like seriously, like I haven't gotten mad one time but any of you. Because I just scroll past it. I'm not even going to respond. But it's one of those deals where I think somewhere in the world we just determined that anytime there's a problem, it's just going to make us miserable. And we're going to allow it to make us miserable. We're just going to be miserable. And I love the way first Peter says this, right? He says, in this, you rejoice. Think about that. In this, you rejoice, right? Though now for a little while, it's necessary. You have to do this, that you've been grieved by various types of trials, but in this rejoice. And so, you know, what I did, I went back to say, okay, what is the, in this? Because he must have said something was really powerful right there that somehow or we missed. So what is the in this part? Well, I got, I, I backed up a little bit. In, in verse three, it says, that, here it is. There's six things. See if you can pick them out. Six things. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last day or the last time. Now, there's six things right there. The first thing is we have received God's amazing grace. Somebody say yes. We've received it. You get it. Unmerited favor. That's what you get. Thank God we don't get what we deserve. That would be miserable, wouldn't it? Because we deserve, according to the sin factor, we deserve death but we have grace. We've also been given new birth and new life, an ultimate, like we have life on this side of eternity and God's changed my sin and you know, he's made my, 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 my mess ups into masterpieces over here, but I get heaven on the other side. That's a win-win situation, isn't it? And then he says this, he says, you know, there's a hope and optimism. We need some hope and optimism. I, I double dog dare you to put something, if you're gonna do Facebook or whatever, put something with some hope and optimism on there instead of go the other direction. Try it for one week and see what happens. You may get some more friends. People may like you again. Just kidding you. How about this? This is a big one right here, by the way. I don't know if you read it with me, but we don't have to be afraid of death because Jesus conquered death. And that's the biggest fear that a lot of us have. And you know something I'm learning at 54, almost 55 years old, that the enemy plays that game all the time. Man, my heart pitters a little bit. I'm gonna have a heart attack. Don't tell me it doesn't happen, right? Like, I got a sore throat, I'm COVID. I got COVID, I got the corona. I got the corona. I had the corona three Saturday nights in a row. I, I woke up in the night, middle of sweats. I realized what it is. It's just I'm nervous about preaching on Sunday mornings. <laughs> not grown at all. How about this? We have an eternal inheritance that can never be destroyed. I have prepared a place for you. Gosh almighty. A place called heaven where I get to see Jesus face to face 
It can't get any better than that, can it? And then I'm protected by God's power and everything is in God's timing. Man. So the Bible says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in what? In God. When I'm putting my trust in the world, that's the only way I can go is that direction. But when I put my trust in God, all of a sudden I have a whole different, I love what Martin Luther King said. Martin Luther King said this, a person is as happy as he makes up his mind to be. Think about that for a second. If you're gonna be miserable, you've already probably made up in your mind you're gonna be miserable. I used to share a story. It was a story of an Indian chief, and you may, may have heard this, but an Indian chief told his grandson, he said, there's two wolves that live inside of everybody. And the young son was sitting there going, okay, if there's two wolves, which one wins? There's always a battle going on. Which one wins? He said, whatever one you feed. In our lives, if we're constantly feeding ourselves miserable stuff, and we're a stick in the mud all the time, and we're negative about it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be negative all the time. You know, there's an old saying in the computer world, garbage in, garbage out. You know, that goes for our minds too, doesn't it? We put garbage in, garbage is going to come out. Let me give you the last thing. The last thing is, is this. We understand it as well. It is well. We can sing the song that Horatio sang. We can sing it with conviction. It is well when we realize this trial, this trial can help me grow. Maybe it's there to grow us. Maybe there's something not in us that God wants in us. See, uh, has anybody in this room ever lifted weights? Ever lifted weights? Okay, whatever. Some of you look okay, but others like me. There's, there's a saying, Daryl, you're, you're a weightlifter, right, Daryl? Like you, you're big and strong, like more. There's a saying, it's called no pain, no gain. And you wanna know something? That's a true statement. What happens every time, not me, but Daryl lifts, when Daryl lifts, he's got big old guns. When Daryl lifts, every time it happens, he rips muscles. And then what happens is they heal themselves and then he rips them again and they heal themselves and they rip themselves and then he looks like that instead of like this. You wanna know something? That's not just a property or something that happens with people. That's a spiritual principle. Without pain, there's not a lot of gain. You can't see how good God is until you've been sometimes in the worst situations. And it's in those worst situations you see how big God is, right? You see how God wants to work. It's in those darkest moments you see the light that's out there. It's not a train coming. It's actually God showing up, right? So it's one of those deals where it's in those moments. They don't have to make us miserable, but they also can help us grow if we'll let them. Verse six says this. In this, you rejoice. Now watch this. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Watch this. So that the tested, or so that the tested genuineness, it's testing something, there's a reason. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, and perishes through it, tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. It's actually doing something. It's actually getting me to the point where I understand who God is, and that I trust God. When, when something goes on, I see, I can't feel him. I can't touch him, but I know when he's active in my life. I know when he's doing something. I know when he's working out the circumstances and the deal in my life. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, when we face trials, we need to remember we have more than enough power to overcome any test 
any temptation, any problem. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So stop acting like you're the only one that's ever had that problem. Y'all hear that? I may want to say that again. Stop acting like you're the only one that's had that problem. Apparently, it goes around. A lot of people have had that problem. It's not unique to just you. It's unique to humanity. It's unique to the, the fallen state of the world that we live in. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. See, lots of people think that God gives you God gives you problems to match your strength. Does that make sense? God gives you problems to match your strength. So if you're real strong, he's gonna give you bigger problems. See, I think he's given us the strength to match our problems. It's totally different. It's the exact opposite. We don't get more and bigger because we're stronger. We get, we get, we get those things because he's given us the strength to match our problem. He knows what we can handle deep down inside of us. The problem is a lot of times we don't give ourselves enough credit. Every trial, every trial, you can't, there's not a single, every trial can work out for our best. John Ornberg, great writer, writes this. God isn't at work producing the circumstances I want. God is at work in bad circumstances to produce the me that he wants. He's trying to get the best me out. Well, think about this. Think about a couple characters in the Bible. Anybody ever reading the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Not Joseph New Testament, not Jesus' father, but Joseph in the Old Testament. Had a couple brothers, they left him on the side of the road dead. They left him in a ditch and they threw his coat over and they put it in blood so that the father would think that the wild animal had killed him. Some of Potiphar's guards come and pick him up out of there and they put him in prison. He ends up in prison for a while, but then he ends up in Potiphar's house. Then he ends up as Potiphar's right-hand man. And then Potiphar's wife come and accuse him of having a relationship, actually raping, raping her. And so he goes back into prison. Then the truth comes out and he comes back out of the house. And then a little while later, what happens is he's literally sitting there. And he had a prophetic word. He told his brothers this. There's going to be a day that you're going to come to me and you're going to need me and I'm going to supply every one of your needs. Sure enough, who, who knocks on the door one day? It's the brothers. They show up. And I love the way Joseph said it. He went from the lowest point that he could possibly go to the place of best and most prominence. In Genesis chapter 50, one of my favorite passages. We say it all the time. You've heard me probably say it a million times. It says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they already. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean that God actually let all that happen? Maybe. Maybe that trial was there so people could be glor you know, uh, glorify God. Maybe it was there to make Jesus famous in our community. And somebody asked me, all right, Bobby, don't ask me my opinion. I said, well, tell him what you think about COVID. I'm like, shut up. I'm so tired of talking about, I don't know about COVID. Nobody knows about COVID. Nobody knows what the truth is. Nobody knows what the lies are. Half of us are frantic, you know, because of this, and half of us are frantic about that. We don't know the difference. Well, what good's going to come out of it? Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. That's not the first question. I don't know what good's going to come out of it, but I'm telling you, good's going to come out of it. Because God's still a God that's on the throne and God's still a God of order and God's still a God of peace and God still knows everything. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of the end. Nothing escapes him. So something good's gonna come out of this. 
I've already seen it. Maybe you didn't see it. But I'm telling you, there is a pursuing of God like I've never seen before. There is a worship that's breaking out in this place. There's a boldness preaching the word in here that I have never seen in 17 years in this church. I'm telling you, this group of people up here, Justin and Lindsay and Macy and, and all the band players and Zolma and the drum, I mean, all of them, they're all of a sudden realizing maybe, maybe like, like, like I'm, I'm going from a singer to now I am a worship leader. I'm leading people in the presence of Jesus right now. So there's something good coming out of COVID. I think the, the being away for 16 weeks made us long more for being together. And we were created to do life together. We were created for community. Shouldn't surprise us, should it? That's why you're here right now. You were created for community. You want to be here. Well, most of you want to be here. How about the Apostle Paul? Think about this just for a second. The Apostle Paul. He gets put in prison. And you know what he does in prison? He starts writing. You know he starts writing? The New Testament. While he was in prison, many of the books of the New Testament were being written while he was right there. Don't tell me that God didn't take a bad situation and make it a good situation. It's all in our perspective. It's all in what we do with it. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the greatest life lesson you've ever had. And it's gonna be in the way of a potato, an egg, and coffee beans. Okay, I want you to visualize this for a second. If I have a pot of boiling water up here, I take this potato and I put it in the boiling water. What happens to the potato? It gets soft. It starts out hard and rigid and you can barely bite into it. You have to stick a fork in it about 30 times while you're waiting for it to get done. You put it in that boiling water and this gets soft. It gets pliable. An egg. If you put an egg in there, it's all soft on the inside, right? Hard on the outside. But then you put it in the water and what happens? It gets hard on the outside and eventually if you put it in cold water, it gets soft on the, uh, it gets uh, hard on the inside and gets soft on the outside. You can peel that thing off and it turns into an egg and you can make, you know, master's egg salad with it. But it, it goes from being a, you know, a, a soft object to a hard one. Put coffee beans into boiling water. It changes the water. Everything else is being changed by the, the boiling water except for the coffee beans. It's changing the circumstances. It makes the most delightful, addictive, highly addictive drink you've ever had. I've decided that I'm rubbing coffee beans all on the inside of my mask so I don't have to smell my breath. And I can just smell coffee beans. And it's fabulous. So here's the life lesson. You have a choice when struggles come your way. Are you going to allow the circumstances of the water to impact you? Or are you going to impact the water? Are you going to start out soft and frail because of the problems like the egg? Get real hard. Be bitter. Or are you gonna be like the potato goes in there and you're gonna start out hard and allow those things to crush you? Or are you gonna start out like the bean in the water and be determined that you're not gonna let the circumstances dictate who you are and you're gonna to dictate to the circumstances what it'll end up being and it's gonna be something beautiful and it's gonna be something amazing. 
the choice is ours. That's why I stand with Horatio and with David and just say, it is well. Though trials of many kinds come my way, it is well. Let's pray. God, I can honestly say today that that first moment that I noticed it was well was the day I gave my life over to you. Not when I asked you to become my savior, but when I asked you to become my Lord. When I allowed you control of my life, when I relinquished control. So maybe today, maybe some of those struggles, those turmoils are there because of a lordship issue. That you're still fighting that people are still fighting to be number one and God what you're wanting to do is to relinquish control and and then you're going to take care of those circumstances or at least be with them as they walk through them and God I would never in a million years minimize problems I would never ever in a million years minimize cancer or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or divorce or bankruptcy anything God but I do know this, that the God I read about, the God I serve, and the God I've experienced is bigger than every one of those things. So today, if there's folks on this Evans campus or they're down at the Sherwood campus or they're watching online or they're out in the atrium, wherever they're at, God, I pray that you would bring the peace that passes all understanding, that even when we pass over the very place where death and destruction happen, God, we can pin a new life story and end it with it as well. Thank you, God, for showing up today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.